strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Uh, thanks for being here. Earlier this week, we received a press release. There is a new partnership with the Health Corps Initiative, which is founded by Dr. Oz, very you know the very well-known Dr. Oz, and the Arizona Department of Education. So joining us to talk about this partnership and what it means to public school students is the Superintendent of Public Instruction, Tom Horn. Mr. Horn, welcome back. Thanks, Mike. It's always great to be on your program, which I've been on your on there off and on since about 2003. Yeah, it's been a, it's been, I think, almost the entire time I've been in radio. I appreciate the time with you as always. Let's talk about this initiative about health and wellness and how it connects with public education. Well, um, if students are eating healthy and exercising, they do better academically. My focus is is purely on academics. It's 90% of our efforts at the department and, and my personal efforts are to raise the academic performance in the schools. And I think uh, eating healthy and exercising is an element of that. You may remember in, in my first term, um, I've campaigned hard and ultimately successfully to get sugared sodas out of the vending machines in schools uh, because the sugar really is not good for kids. Uh, and um, and I also urged people at the schools to use to use whole wheat bread, not white bread, which has a lot more nutrition. So I have a history of pushing for healthy eating and exercise, and this is a step forward in that direction. So how did the partnership with Dr. Oz and his organization, Health Corps, how did this how did this all come together? Uh, they contacted us and uh, they they offer free services to the schools uh, to, to alert kids to the needs for eating healthy and exercising. And I thought that was a great idea. I'm not imposing anything on anyone. I just help make schools aware that it's available. That's that's really my function. We're a local control state and the, the school districts will decide for this themselves whether they want to do this. But uh, but I'm helping to make let them know that it's available. So uh, one of the things that has changed dramatically, even since your first time as superintendent, has been screen time. Kids are spending a lot more time, whether it's gaming or other things in front of screens and not outdoors and not active. How much of that played a role in this decision? It played a major role, and um, uh, the chair of the House Education Committee has a bill to uh, to make it so that the students can't be looking at cell phones when the teacher's trying to teach them. They can use it for educational purposes or for, you know, emergencies, but not to be distracted during lessons and maybe be being bullied for that part of the day. And I strongly support that bill. Isn't it um, interesting that, you know, when talks of budgets and, and things like that come up, uh, it seems like extracurricular activities like athletics or even being in the marching band, which is, a, a, you know, hugely physical, um, is is kind of put secondary isn't it necessary for this physical fitness initiative to work that we have those uh, those have to be thriving in schools, sports teams, the marching band, things of that nature to get kids active and, and doing things? Absolutely. And, and I think it plays a major role in academics because students who eat healthy and exercise do better. When you uh, one of the other things that I saw that is talking about your presence in, in career in tech. Can you talk about the advancements in that? Yes, uh, we started a commission called the Arizona Education Economic Commission. Uh, we got uh, the executives of, of Arizona's 20 largest companies involved, 
and we're expanding it to other companies. And and we we you know Arizona has great companies, but um, but we have a shortage of skilled workers. That's what the presidents of these companies tell us. So so this is a deal. Uh, we promise to produce students that have the skills that the companies need. In return, the companies will give us will let our teachers know what what exactly what skills need to be taught, or they may provide us people to actually teach them. But uh, this is going to be a, a major coalition, and uh, and I, I'm very hopeful for it. And we are going to solve Arizona's shortage of skilled labor, which is not only good for the students, so they have much better paying jobs, but it's better for the economy of Arizona. Uh, a lot of some of the, with some of these companies, if the students go through an apprenticeship, they can make $70,000 right out of high school. Yeah, I'm very familiar. I work quite a bit with the CTEDs here in the Valley. You know, in the West Valley, it's West Mac. You've got Metro Tech in Central Phoenix. The East Valley has EVIT, East Valley Institute of Technology. Are the CTEDs going to be involved in this with the Department of Education? They're intimately involved. Every single CTED is involved, including Phoenix Union, which has its own CTED. So uh, they're, they've, they've, been, they've been part of the coalition. They're very much involved, and we expect you know, some of the skills to be taught in middle school and high school and some of them to be taught at CTEDs. So I want to go back to the, the wellness uh, part of this because I know that you have been very focused on test scores and reading and math and making sure kids are making progress, re- making up for some of the learning loss. Do you believe that some of these health and wellness programs are going to be going to show results in the in the regard in the classroom and academics? I do. I think studies have proven that. And, and yes, that is my obsession is getting better academic results in our schools. And uh uh, we are totally focused on that. But one of the elements of that is that students eat healthy and exercise because students who do that do better academically. Is it is there a, a, a cost? Is there a burden to eating healthy? Is it more of a cost burden? I'm not saying it's not worth it, but is it more expensive or can you cost effectively change how kids are eating when it's school lunches, especially in schools where free lunches are provided? Can you do it cost effectively? Yeah, it, it's a little more expensive. Uh, th- that's been one of the things in my dealings with dietitians at the schools. You know, I urge them to use whole wheat bread rather than white bread. White bread is cheaper, and so they do it as an economy measure, but it makes a big difference to the students to get healthy whole wheat bread, which has a lot more nutrition than white bread does. Um, so it's, it's, it's a little more expensive, but it's worth it. So uh, what will this rollout look like, this initiative that you are working again? How long will it take to kind of I know it's going to be available for schools, but how many schools do you anticipate taking advantage of this and how quickly is it accessible to them? Well, we're, we're immediately making making all the schools aware of it. And then it's up to them if they want to do the partnership. Dr. Oz is available. His organization has experience in other states. They, they're already involved in some of our schools. And uh, and so the schools can get started as quickly as they want. Our job is to make them aware of its availability, which we're doing right away. Has there been a positive response to the the availability of this program? So far, all I've heard have been positive responses, which is unusual for me. Usually I get into controversies. (laughs) I don't mean to laugh, but that was that's a bit of an understatement at times. But it's good to see that everybody seems to be on board with this. Um, I I always appreciate the time with you. um, And I hope that you'll come back because what I'd like to do is follow up. Let's find out how many schools are doing this. And if you're getting positive results, I think people should know about it. Thank you, Michael. I'm always available to even if it's on short notice. If you call me, I'll be available. And you always have kept your word on that, sir, and I appreciate it. So thanks for the time today.
Thank you, Mike. All right. That is uh, Tom Horn, superintendent of public instruction for the schools here in Arizona, talking about an initiative that's health and wellness that he believes is going to have a direct correlation into academic performance. And I, I think he's right. And I hope that it works. Coming up in a moment, we are going to talk about the border, the level of disagreement or uh, disapproval of the handling of the border among Democratic voters is at the highest level it's been ever in this presidency. We're going to talk about the implications of that next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, if you haven't subscribed to the Mike Broomhead Show podcast, it's very simple to do on any device that you have. You'll never miss a minute of the show. It's the Mike Broomhead Show podcast brought to you this week by your Valley Chevy dealers. So let's go through some headlines. You know how much I like to do that when it comes to a topic. Democrat disapproval of the U.S. handling of the border hits highest point of Biden tenure, according to a report. We'll get into some of those statistics. Here's another one. The Biden administration failed to vet adults housing migrant children, according to a federal watchdog group. That's very concerning. We're going to get into this as well. Illegal migrant theft groups reportedly target a Pennsylvania town. Um, Massachusetts couple volunteered to host migrants of of four showed up an hour later and they really knew nothing about it. And they're lamenting that this, you know, in, in, um, Massachusetts, they have a mandatory shelter law, and they've asked people to open their homes to migrants. Uh, New York City migrants consume drugs, alcohol in public as crime wave plagues tourist hotspots. Now, I want to be clear about this, and I, I think if you listen to the show, you know where I stand. But if not, I want to clarify something. I am in no way, shape, manner, or form ever insinuating that even the majority of people that have come to this country illegally are, are doing drugs and drinking alcohol and committing crimes But it's an issue. It's a big issue. And it's a big issue because we are not vetting people properly. I want to get back to a couple of these things. By the way, House Republicans are introducing legislation to reimburse Texas nearly $4 billion. That's billion with a B it's spent to secure the border. It's a federal uh, this is a federal job. Now, for those of you that think that this is a political stunt, that the, the, the governor of Texas is doing this as a political stunt, let me explain Years ago, years ago, under the Bush administration, uh, the our then governor, Napolitano, a Democrat, she sent the National Guard to the southern border. And then she sent a bill to the Department of Homeland Security for that cost. Now, here's the irony of all of that. She was then not in the not too distant future. She was then appointed Homeland Security Secretary under Barack Obama. After the Bush presidency was over, she was asked to be in that job. That's how Governor Brewer became the governor. She was the secretary of state. She became the governor and then won uh, another term as governor. But uh, Governor Napolitano sent a bill to Homeland Security, and um, she then was in a position, speaking of what would be um, irony, she was in a position as Homeland Security secretary to write a check for that invoice. Mm, didn't happen. But now Texas is out $4 billion because they're securing the border. Other states are sending guard troops down. They're using the state police to do it. Will they get reimbursed? That's a question. But let's go back to some of this. Um, 73% of Democrats surveyed, 73% rate the government's handling of the influx of migrants at the U.S. border somewhat bad or very bad. That's 70, that's Democrats. Now, the reason why that's important is because that's the president's party. 
If anyone is going to sway this president to make changes in his policy, it's going to be his own party. It certainly isn't going to be people like me. I'm not a fan of the administration. I'm not voting for this president. I didn't vote for him the first time. So he doesn't he knows he's not going to sway me. So my views are not one he's going to listen to, even if he ends up doing what I would want. It is the people who can sway him and his own party. And that's what's happening. But this um, other thing, one of the things that the president promised was a more humane treatment of people at the border. None of this is humane. The Biden administration struggled to properly vet and monitor the homes where they placed a surge of migrant children who arrived at the U.S.-Mexico border in 2021, according to a federal watchdog group. The Department of Health and Human Services is required to screen adults who volunteer to take care uh, in take in children arriving in the country without parents. But analysis concluded the department failed to prove it ran basic safety checks, like address or criminal background checks, on some adults who took these kids in. In in about a third of the cases reviewed by the federal watchdog, the agency did not have legible documentation for adults on file. Let's start there. That number of the, the unaccounted for undocumented minors who crossed the border alone, um, the ones that they cannot account for is over 100,000, over 100,000 political partisanship out the window. This is the need to protect the border. This is the need for border security. So when you hear a plan come out that says we're going to do this and it's going to stop this and when it's 5,000 people a day for a week, the border shuts down and it shuts down until we get that number down to 3,500 a day. And if it stays at 5,000, there were a lot of things in there that some people said were good and there were a lot of people that said it's not enough. But because it wasn't passed or at least sent to the House, to the Senate floor for debate where amendments could have been brought up, they now have given up. And I think this reason, j- just the children alone, there are two glaring examples of border security slash immigration because they're two different things, issues in this country that are horrible. Number one is over 100,000 unaccompanied minors that they can't account for. A 100,000. We have a foster program, which should be much better than it is, but thank God for foster parents. Thank God for people that are willing to bring a child into their home that doesn't have the home life that a child needs. But they go through a vetting process, and it's a strict vetting process. And we have, as people in the state of Arizona, a responsibility that if we, to vet those people, not that we don't trust them, But we also know that taking care of children is a big responsibility, and we want to make sure that children under state care or government care are not being used or abused by the people that are supposed to be caring for them. We have a huge responsibility there. The federal government isn't doing that. The other glaring example of this is um, has to do – excuse me. This has to do with more than just children that are unaccounted for. What about the dreamers? We still haven't solved that problem. We haven't solved the problem of the dreamers. That was two presidents ago. And so those glaring issues show you about the dysfunction in our government where they can't get even those two basic things that almost everybody agrees on right. And until we get this done, until this gets fixed, people are upset. The policies of this White House, even 73 percent of Democrat voters are saying it's not right.
Coming up in a moment, we are going to speak with a sergeant from the Phoenix Police Department's heat unit and human trafficking connects a lot with what we're talking about right now. We'll get to that coming up in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. One of the frequent topics on the show has to do with with uh, a lot of times children, but human trafficking, sex trafficking, human trafficking, and what a disastrous thing this is and how difficult it is to get people out of it once they're in. But it's been a big focus and we have big events here in the Valley, especially the WM Phoenix Open, Super Bowl, when major events happen, there seems to be an uptick in all that happening. So to talk a little bit more about this is Sergeant Michael Walter from the Phoenix Police Department and their heat unit. Uh, Sergeant Walter, welcome to the show. Hey, good morning. I appreciate it. Been a long time fan of yours. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, this is such a serious issue. And first of all, to anybody in your work line of work that has to deal with this, it's really got to be tough to see how despicable people can behave in this regard. There's definitely, it's definitely a dark, kind of a dark topic. But uh, I guess where it's the darkest, you can shine the most light. It's very rewarding. Um, one of the things that I've I've and I've talked to some people that have worked in this world in the past, and the uh, what parents need to know, and I I hope you can share a little bit of this is I've always and someone said this to me that was in your profession, you may have a child that's not looking for trouble, but they guarantee you that trouble is looking for your child. Can you talk about the ways that they are getting to kids, no matter what parents are doing? Sure. Uh, I'd first start off just to kind of put some of the parents at ease. There's a lot of misconceptions that these traffickers or child sex traffickers are snatching, snatching child out, like children out of the grocery store or from their local parks. Could that happen? Yes. I mean, there's evil everywhere, but most of these most of these traffickers are targeting targeting your at risk youth. They're online uh, where they've got uh, where they're basically concealed. But I've. Uh, if I had to choose one area that they need to pay really close attention to would be the internet, uh, any of the chat rooms, make sure that the, the parents have their uh, internet browsers locked down with like content filters. And then I would also be checking the phones. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting. I've used this analogy. When I had my girls were growing up, we knew who their friends were. We knew their friends' parents so that we can keep in touch with the parents to be just one extra level of security. But then we get Wi-Fi in the house and we turn them loose with a device. And that's when a lot of times trouble finds them. Yeah, correct. They can't you can't control who they're speaking with or who's on the other the other end of the line. Can you talk about the heat unit and what they do, what you guys do? Sure. So we've got uh, nine detectives, uh, two sergeants with uh, three civilians and two reserve officers. Uh, we conduct uh, a couple different types of operations. We try to target the uh, demand for sex buyers or commercial sex uh, through John Ops, which is basically we put undercover officers out uh, posing as prostituted persons uh, and try to arrest the Johns that are soliciting uh, we target the sex traffickers in hopes that we can stop some of the recruitment beforehand and hopefully recover some of the victims. We also conduct street operations or street enforcement to where our detectives go out and pose as commercial sex buyers. But uh, that allows us to uh, recover most of our juvenile victims that we end up finding out on the street. And it also allows us to uh, provide some of the some of the girls and some of the victims with services. 
I know that there is a great event that's coming up called the Night of Hope. It's it's going to be at uh, at GCU in their arena. It's going to involve a lot of different people, but it's to raise money and awareness for to fight this horrible thing. Can you talk a little bit about the Night of Hope? Sure. It's going to be Sunday. It's February 18th at 5 o'clock in the GCU arena. Uh, people are interested in attending. They can uh, find their tickets at notinourcity.org. Uh, this event will allow them to get to reach out to some of our partners that we work with, like the Arizona Anti-Trafficking Network and Dream Center, uh, Streetlight, ASU STIR, which is the Office of Sex Trafficking Intervention and Research, and uh all of our groups that we work with will be tabling there and they can get a lot more information about how they can help. I've been to some of these events and what you find out is there's a lot of information you wish you didn't have to know. But when you're there, first of all, it is a night of hope. People get such hope out of it because you start to hear stories of people that have come out of that world, that have been brought out of that world because of events like this and people like you and, and officers like you, but also the information for people ahead of time to see what could be happening. And I think more than anything else, that awareness of what you can see as an individual where you might be able to catch something and report it. It's just one more set of eyes out there. Yeah, correct. So what then are you, are you will be there, correct, at that at the Night of Hope? Yes, I'll be sitting on uh, sitting on one of the uh, discussion panels. All right, the notinourcity.org, notinourcity.org is where you can go to get tickets to this event. Uh, anything you would like to say to people out there about about the, what this is and and how prevalent this is in our society? I don't want to over I don't want to fill people with fear, but awareness is the key. Is there anything they need to know about human trafficking that you need every parent or every individual to know about it? No, I just that uh, it kind of comes down to that old tagline of if you see something, say something. If something doesn't look right or you see somebody that doesn't necessarily fit the situation, that you can always call us. We'll let us investigate it. All you have to do is just let us know. But if we don't know about it, we can't help. Well, I hope that you will pass along our thank you to the people that work in, in the heat unit because, again, it's work that is difficult because you're seeing some of the worst in humanity on a daily basis. But it is such valuable work and so necessary in our society. And please pass along our thank you for everybody that does it. And we're going to keep mentioning how people can get tickets and hopefully uh, sell out that building on Sunday. I appreciate it. And I also appreciate all the support you've given us over the years. Thanks. I appreciate that. That's Sergeant uh, Michael Walter from the Phoenix Police Department in the heat unit dealing with human trafficking. Just a, a subject that people don't like to talk about. It really is not a topic that you want to even have to think about. But when you see it once, you can't unsee it. And then you want to try to stop it. And there's been great strides made by private organizations working in partnership with law enforcement to raise awareness. You know, places like you would think, you know, resorts and, and you know the uh, the casino resorts here. And where staff is trained in what to look for. They're getting, when I say trained, but they are taught, these are some of the things you can look for and be reporting it. What we've seen online and some of the ads that happen online, it's difficult. It is a very, very big problem. So if you'd like to support this organization or, or this event, it is notinourcity.org is the website. Sunday evening, 5 p.m. GCU Arena, and uh, you're going to learn a lot. You're going to. It is a night of hope. You're going to learn a lot. You're going to feel better about the place you live, but you're also going to be made aware of how you can make a difference. So that is very, very important. And a a big thank you to Sergeant Walter for coming on. 
not an easy job. I have friends that have done this job and having to deal with people and realizing the depravity that you face at times. And they do that so that they can prevent children and others from being taken into this world. It's a difficult job. And thank God there are people doing it. Coming up in a moment. We're going to talk teen violence in the East Valley, new information on some cases, the death of Preston Lord, and some new cases that have come up and arrests that have been made. We'll get to that next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. All right, if you have not subscribed to the Mike Broomhead Show podcast yet, it's very simple to do on any device you have. You never miss a minute of the show. And the Mike Broomhead Show podcast brought to you this week by your Valley Chevy dealers. Going to shift to the East Valley violence um, and what's going on. There have now been uh, over 40 arrests made by Gilbert police since these cases, since February of 2022. They've opened up a new teen violence case. We have new details about the death of Preston Lord. We'll get to that in a moment, but I want you to hear from the Queen Creek Police Chief Bryce as he talked about his department and what's going on with East Valley teen violence. If you'd asked me this on day one, when we looked at how complicated this case was going to be, I, I may have had a different outlook because I was nervous, uh, to be frank. Um, I was I was um, really scared that this would not come together. And uh, I will tell you the professionalism and the amazing work that my detectives have done, they, they deserve all the credit. They have done an extraordinary job. The partnership with the FBI and the help they've given us have really brought this case together. The work that's been done, I am very confident that we are going to get where we want to be. The uh, Queen Creek police are asking for the public's help identifying the owner of a car who was witnessed uh, was a witness to another incident that occurred near the scene of the Preston Lord assault that ended in his death. So uh, it, with this story, uh, we got this from ABC 15. If you want to check out the story, the car is there. Um, one of the things that happened it, that was a good thing uh, when these cases started coming to light is when the media started to pay attention to this and word got out, more people came forward. And I know that this sounds strange, but when it happens to you, you don't understand that it may be happening to other people. I'll give you an example in another world. We had the Scottsdale police chief on a couple couple of weeks ago in talking about an uptick in home burglaries, and they believed it fits the same MO as a ring of South American burglars coming to this country and what's called crime tourism. And it fits the, the, the same pattern as that when it happened back in 2019, 2020, I, was, I think is the time frame. And so now they wanted to warn the public because public awareness matters. So when your home gets broken into, you're not necessarily thinking that it, you are a part of what is a concerted effort by people or something that's happening by a group of people that are doing things. You believe it's an isolated incident to you. And until police agencies, plural in this case, can put together that this may be a group of people that are doing this together, that it is more of an organized effort than it is random, then you start to get leads and that's when people start to speak out. And this is what's happened in these cases, in my opinion, that when the the horrible death of Preston Lord, we found out later that there are other cases and some of the videos that police agencies were able to dissect showed that some of those videos had the same kids in them. As a matter of fact, some people, and I say kids because to me they're kids, they're young, even if they're young adults, 
have been arrested for multiple on because they've been in multiple videos in multiple jurisdictions that this may be more of an effort. And so as we're learning more, as the police departments are learning more, more people are coming forward. So now if you live in that part of town, if you were around when these things were happening, they're now asking for your help to maybe identify more to finally get to somebody that's connected with the death of Preston Lord. And I think it's something we all can do. Uh, the update from the Gilbert Police Department. This is Ballin uh, Overstolz from our uh, KTIR News talking about this. Gilbert police have made 40 arrests since February 2022, and the department is currently working through 12 more investigations. Police Chief Michael Solberg says there's some common factors in these cases, but there's also differences. Some of these have been random, that it's just someone walking through a parking lot and they get targeted for some reason. In other cases, they know each other, they have a beef with each other for one reason or another. He says we'll learn more about what's driving youth violence in the Southeast Valley when the investigation to determine if the Gilbert goons are a criminal gang concludes. None of these cases involve the death of Preston Lord, which is being handled by Queen Creek Police and Maricopa County prosecutors. Bowen Overstoles, KTAR News. Here's the other side of this, though. One of the stories is that one of the cases tied to a principal in the Chandler Unified School District has been turned down by prosecutors. Prosecutors have not said much. They say it's their policy not to comment on cases that involve juveniles. The parent of the person that was attacked is very upset that nothing is being done. And he, the quote is, where do you go for justice? And I understand the parent's frustration. If they don't have the evidence they need to prosecute, the prosecution doesn't move forward. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One of them, of course, unfortunately, is resources. But another is this. If you arrest somebody and you charge them with a crime and they are found not guilty because you didn't have sufficient evidence, then double jeopardy comes in, which means that person can't be convicted even when new evidence comes in. You've already tried them once and they were found not guilty. So a lot of times out of a, a, an abundance of caution – they're not going to charge a case knowing that they can go back when more information comes in, which leads to this even being more important, that people need to be involved. You have to say something if you know something. Parents, if you have teenagers in the East Valley, wouldn't you want to know if your children have witnessed any of this? Have you seen this happen? Were you there when any of these things happened? To protect your child, you don't want to have to worry about your kids being out and then some bunch of idiots jump out of a car and just start beating people for no reason to throw it up online. The message is already out there, I believe, that this isn't going to be tolerated. So th that part of it may be there, but there's got to be accountability for what's been done. The schools have to do a better job when things are reported, and I think that one of the silver linings in this dark cloud is going to be that, that schools will no longer – there's a difference between a fight that breaks out in school because they happen. Kids fight. I fought when I was when I was in high school. You fight when you're a kid. You fight. There's a difference between intimidation and beatings and bullying. When those threats are coming in, when it gets to a point where a kid tells his or her parent or a parent is calling the school to say, hey, listen, my child is being bullied and intimidated, and this is getting worse and worse and worse. I don't believe the schools are going to chalk it up to kids being kids any longer, and that may be a good thing. We may have more accountability, and it may turn out that the intervention means nothing. It might be a beef between two kids, and in the end, you just tell a kid to knock it off. You, you know, you, you got to knock it off. 
And that may be the end of it. But in some of these cases, uh, people were going to the schools and saying, this is happening to my child. And nothing was done until there was a physical altercation where somebody got injured. And so those are the things that are concerning. And I think schools are going to change the way they do things. Again, you can't go back and fix the past. But what you can do is be better the next time. Is this going to help people be better the next time? The police departments weren't able to piece this together, but I can tell you that as soon as it was brought to their attention in the numbers that it's been brought to their attention, they've been on it and they've been very forthright. They've been, they've come forward and they've talked about what they're doing and how they're doing it. There have been multiple arrests made. So this is a good thing that now that the light of day is on this and people are aware that there are groups of people out there doing this, they're going after them. And those groups of people in the true cowardly fashion that you see this happen, they they now are in hiding. That's the biggest part of this for me. Bullies, generally speaking, bullies are cowards. They only prey on people that are smaller than them, generally speaking, and they only do it when they outnumber the other groups. And when it's a group of people, then somehow they're tough one on one or when they're being isolated or when it comes time to stand up and defend what they did or um, at least apologize for what they've done. They don't. And in this case, I think people are going to get justice sooner rather than later. But make sure if you know something or your child knows something, have them come forward to give some of these families closure. I think that's a big part of this. Just after 10 o'clock, we're going to shift back to the economy. We're going to talk about the warnings from Wall Street about a recession. More and more people complaining about government spending. We're going to get on all of that coming up in a few moments.